Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming from the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. Let's Chat is a long-form conversational podcast where I, Chris Revel, sit down with folks from the world of punk rock, podcasting, and pop culture. And boy, howdy, does this episode cover two of those things, except pop culture, apparently. As you'll hear Dana say, he does not watch movies, which I'm still kind of floored by. Oddly enough, that was my big takeaway from the episode. I'm just kidding. Um, Dana's just such a wonderful dude. Uh, Dana is a fantastic host. If you're a fan of this show, you'll definitely love Two Weeks Notice, especially if you love punk rock. Dana hosts Two Week Notice, a podcast where he interviews his favorite musicians. And Dana is also the tour manager for the legendary post-hardcore band, Piebald. And Piebald is just absolutely incredible. And obviously, you'll hear Dana talk about how that's led to some great connections. Dana has a really cool story. Dana worked corporate for a long time, eventually ended a relationship, left his job, went to go travel, and at some point starts, you know, fall around, around um, Piebald and is a super fan and befriends the band and eventually becomes the merch guy, cowboy player, and then now tour manager. And we talk about all the stuff you're going to want to hear, talking about touring with Chris Caraba and Dashboard Confessionals, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, so really just a wonderful episode. Dana and I connected on Instagram a little while back and then just became immediate friends. And if you listen to his podcast or this episode, you kind of get that sense from him that he's the kind of guy who could just talk to a wall. He's just got that personality. He's just a really genuinely good dude. I, it seems like a lot of similarities. You know, Dana is is responsible for two of the guests you could have heard on here or will hear on here for that matter. If you listen to our episode with Connor from Boys Night Out, you, that was all because of Dana connected us. And I will be recording... Uh, this week with Sergio from the early November. Again, thanks to Dana. So thank you, Dana, for everything. Uh, such a good dude. Uh, quick little housekeeping. I, I had recently had the opportunity to do a, present, a presentation at the Pachacacha event, which is a global storytelling event. They call it like show and tell for adults. It's 20 slides for 20 seconds. So I have to say a big thank you for Christopher Donovan. It's a, a global event. I was fortunate to be able to do one in Providence. That was really special. A huge thank you to Margie and Alex for coming out. That was really special. And uh, it really, really meant a lot. I was also recently an ep- a guest on the Jock Doc podcast, which is something I did a little different. I was actually, I played a character. It's, a, it's an improv show. If you're familiar with uh, Hollywood Handbook or Comedy Bang Bang, it's kind of a similar format where like an uh, improv comedy is hosted by uh, like a, an actual doctor. So shout out, a uh, big thank you to uh, Dr. London and Cameron and the gang over there. They were all just as kind as it could be. And I never did improv before, so that was really fun. Uh, and as always, we got to say a huge thank you to our sound mixer, Robbie Sherman. You can follow him on uh, Twitter. We'll put all that information in the show notes. You can find all the stuff we're doing at Let's Chat Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, please join our Facebook community, the Let's Chat Podcast community. That has been coming really fun. It seems to be where we're the most active and really getting to connect with everyone. We're uh, still doing our Let's Chat Live on YouTube and Facebook. Tuesdays, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. All of those audios will be coming on the Let's Chat with Chris Revel feed for about two weeks, and then they will be put behind our Patreon wall. In our Patreon, we are also making a third podcast now called Let's Chat Zeitgeist with myself and Dwight from The Broken Brain, and that is for our Patreon members. You can uh, So shout out to the Vern for being one of our patrons, and uh, you can check that out. And nobody wants to hear me ramble, so why don't we get to it?
answer your question. Uh, I, I'm the king of uh, sidetracking, you know, ADD brain, I guess. They yeah, if you even get through any of this stuff, I'm going to be pretty impressed. <laughs> Feel uh, free to, uh, you know, cut me off or whatever. But so here's the deal. Uh, I, the first time I started this podcast, it was actually under a different title. I was not on tour with a band. I worked the corporate world for eight years and I was just miserable and, and always, you know, at, I'm at 33 at this point and I, I'm looking back at all my friends who went away to college, which I didn't do. I just went to community college and traveled abroad. And, and all I did was work, 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 work through my twenties. So I had enough money saved up and 33 years old. I was in this toxic relationship and I was miserable at my job. So I just said, fuck it, dude, I need to go to Europe. So I left my job two week, hence two week notice. <laughs> but, but I went to Europe on, it was an open-ended trip. Uh, I didn't know if I was going to be there for one month or two months or what. And it turned into four months. I hit 27 countries. Wow. And like, I like, dude, I literally, I took a cruise ship. So I, I took a train out of Boston on a Sunday morning, April 28th, 2019. Got on a train from Boston to New York City. Took a cab from Penn Station to the cruise port, and I got on a boat and I cruised from New York City to Rome, Italy. What? And yeah, yeah, it was a one-way cruise, and I had no fucking plans. The only thing I had planned in Europe was my first. I had one night in a hotel booked, like because when I got off the boat, I needed somewhere to go. Other than that, I didn't book anything until I actually got there, and you know. Four months later, dude, I'm still traveling around, but it was, but, and I was solo. I was by myself. And so how the podcast started, one of my best friends in the world, dude, he, it was like the week before I was leaving or something. He just goes, Hey dude, you should, uh, you should do a podcast. Like, while while you're traveling around Europe, it might be fun for you. And like a cool, a cooler way to keep in touch with friends and family instead of just texting and stuff. And I was like, Hmm, maybe. And then he sent me the anchor app, which is, I still use anchor. Uh, and you can literally just talk right into your phone. And so I just, that's what it was. It was a travel log and it was like every day or every other day. I'd be like, Oh, I'm in Switzerland today. And I would just tell stories and it, it really actually caught on. I had more listeners on that. It was called, I just called it Dana B's Euro trip. You know what I mean? Mm. And I have, I have more listeners on that than I do on this current podcast. And I don't know. It just caught on uh, all over the world. And I enjoyed doing it so much, but I didn't expect that. I was just trying to, it was just fun. It was actually, it became therapeutic. Like I felt like even though I was alone, I had somebody to talk to, you know what I'm saying? I felt like my yeah. friends were right there with me. And uh, so long story short here, when I finally came back to the United States, I decided I want to keep podcasting. This is so much fun, but I need a new name. I can't call it Dana B's Euro trip. So that's when I came up with two week notice podcast because you know, fuck work, work sucks. And my buddy designed the logo. You can see it behind me. And, and then from there, dude, I started off just interviewing. I would have friends come over like, and just tell like shitty work stories, you know, like what's the worst job you ever had. And like just fun shit like that. We would just drink beers and shoot the shit. Then I went on a tour with Piebald. They asked me to be tour manager. So I'm touring with Piebald and Dashboard Confessional. And I started doing like a, a tour log. I would like be in the van and I would have like 10 minutes. And I'd be like, here's what happened today on tour with Piebald. I met Chris Carava. Fucking whoa. <laughs> All right. 
Uh, oh, and then you could hear like the sound check behind me, like, oh shit, sound check time, gotta go. And then the pandemic happened. And then I was like, why don't I start interviewing like musicians and stuff? You know, I know a bunch of people that I've met through Piebald and through touring. And everyone's got time now. We're all sh- shut down and stuck inside. So it has evolved into interviewing musicians mm. mostly. And uh, yeah, man. I like how you just drop it so casually. Like, yeah, I just, you know, ask new Piebald's tour manager. So I want that actually takes me back to like the beginning, beginning, like. You're a Boston scene kid, like you're from Boston, Boston. Yeah, fucking Boston area. It's it's Boston, dude. Boston. Boston? Oh, yeah, I was I was I was no, I was born and raised in Lynn, which is uh, well, you're from Rhode Island, so we're we're. I, in I the grew same... up in Connecticut, but I've been huh. in Rhode Island for about like a decade. Same area, ish. Yeah, you know what I mean? But, New uh, England. Us like us us in New England, we're like, oh my god, that's like two different worlds. Anywhere oh, yeah. outside of New England, they'd be yeah. like, yeah, same thing. That's hilarious. You're like, so no, right. no, it's a whole different world, Boston and Connecticut, uh, Massachusetts. Right. They're two different the, places. And you go to like California, you're like, no, nah, it's just one big state. Yeah, even, even just North Shore, North Shore, which is north of Boston, or South Shore, <laughs> which is south of Boston. Yeah, like even that is like forbidden. Yeah. You know, but then the second you get out of Massachusetts, no one cares. You're like, no, it's all the same. Who cares? Well, I will say, uh, so I'm from Lynn, which is right next. It's two towns up from Boston. If you go up the Oh, coast. yeah. Okay. But it's right next to Salem, Massachusetts, where I've lived. And every, when I travel, if I mention Salem, everyone knows it because the witches and the, the yeah, dark yeah. history behind that, the infamous, you know, past there. Uh, and everyone's either like, oh, my God, I want to go to Salem so bad. Or, or I've been there and it, I didn't realize how popular Salem was until I started traveling, you know. Which is weird. I've never really there. been. I've driven through. I have a, my friend at work is from Marblehead and I visited oh, him. Yeah. But yeah, he, right the Marblehead people don't go into Salem. His words, not mine. They do a lot. Uh, well, yeah. This Marblehead person, no, I don't go to Salem. <laughs> they, they live in the stay water. Away. They're in the nice part of Marblehead, like on the water. Yeah, yeah. Marblehead's yeah. a very rich town. It's, I believe, there was some survey or some sort of. I think it's one of the wealthiest some, in the country. It, I believe, yeah, there was some sort of list, uh, like a few years back, and it it was the richest town yeah, we in at, Massachusetts. Um, we stayed at um they we stayed in Old Town and that his our friend they lived on the water, and they're like uh, this side of the water is like the, the is where the poor people live. These are the one to five million dollar houses, and across the water is the twenty to fifty million dollar houses. I was like, oh, yeah. just like my neighborhood. <laughs> well, <laughs> the not. funny thing about that is, you know, Lynn is just up the street or down the street from Marblehead. And it is the complete opposite of that world. I mean, it's a hundred thousand people, and it's one of the one of the more ghetto cities in in the state for sure. But I grew up in Meriden, Connecticut, which is like the in between, like in the, in between Hartford, New Haven, and like every town around us was similar. All everywhere around us was super rich, and then we were the bad, like the poor kids. And so, like I, I always feel like maybe that's like part of the punk rock comes out of us, and this it's like. You're like, oh yeah, the white suburbs. I'm like, yeah, but I grew in Meriden. It was not what it, it's not. I don't. I feel like Lynn, from my little experiences, always remind me of Meriden. It's like you hear Massachusetts and North Shore, Boston. You think of like like Gilmore Girls, and I'm like, no, nope, it did not look like that for me at all. It looked a lot right. more uh, not that nice. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything, man. I grew up, you know, in a very diverse. Uh, yeah, same. diverse surroundings and i to be honest i i can't say i was poor there were people in my neighborhood that were way worse off than me 
but we yeah. definitely poor my is parents, such a relative term though I, I don't know what people mean by that like we weren't on food stamps or anything like that yeah. but we also weren't like financially i mean we were quote unquote like a definition poor like you know i grew up in a good house hold and all that kind of stuff but but anyway, so you're from Lynn. So, like, what gets you into the? We're, are we the same? Age? Are we of, of similar age? I was born in 1985, so I'm 35. Oh, you're younger than me. All right, so similar. I'm 36. Old you? 36. I'll be 37 next month. Oh god, I was born in 84. All right, so what's 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 your okay. introduction to the music scene? And like, because I mean, you know, Boston's pretty famous, like Boston beatdowns and all that stuff. Yeah, man. Good question. Uh, so. To be honest, uh, I grew up, and this is, you know, probably my Lynn upbringing, but I listened to only rap until, like, high school. Yo, same! And, and, like, that's all I listened to. What, what were you into? Oh, dude, I was so enmeshed in the Biggie Tupac War. I had oh, a, yeah. I actually have pictures of me in middle school with the, like, R.I.P. B.I.G. Sure. So like, who, I guess so now who, it's all pop. Uh, who you, know, you like? Guys, I love I love Biggie. Go. I love Buster Rhymes, P Diddy. I was really into the East Coast stuff. Um, I meant Red okay, BMC. I that? meant who do you like? I, I meant who do you like? Biggie or Tupac? I'm with you. Biggie is. I, I don't even um, think it's close. I don't even know why. I guess I understand why. I, I to me like it, not not to take away from Tupac, he was amazing. But yeah. Biggie is Biggie's the goat. He's the Tom Brady of rappers in my mind. I just. Yeah, I maybe it's for nostalgia purposes. I, mean, I definitely appreciate Tupac. I would say like I, I even at this part, like I don't obsessively love and like hip hop, but I have such admiration and respect for it. And like I love reading about it. Like I listen to a fair amount of it. I'm not that versed in it, but because of those roots, but like, oh my god, I was. Were you part of that whole like P Diddy and the whole fit member? Do you remember when MTV would like when they would like Puff Daddy? It was Puff Daddy. He would make these like 15, 20 minute music videos. I don't know if I remember that. Oh my god! I remember like staying up once because um, he had a song on his record. Um, oh my god, which was after Biggie died, but it was called Victory, and it was like a twenty-minute music video video with Buster Rhymes and stuff. He did one with like Jennifer Lopez when they were like dating. It's like been around. Should we just talk nineties hip hop for the next hour? Because <laughs> it's going to turn into. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that was that was my shit. I used to listen to Jamming ninety four point five on the yeah. uh, on the I mean, radio. Our world, as much as like when we grew up, like at least where I was, it was very like you can't listen to hip hop and punk rock. Like that just you weren't allowed to like it just like it was rock kids and hip hop kids didn't mix. But like I did, I was like for me, I was like, are you kidding me? Like you know, I now can't. I know the history of music. Like you know, they all steal from. They're all so enmeshed. Like hardcore and hip hop are literally birthed in the same city. I I can't say that I had the same experience. It wasn't that you weren't allowed to listen to both. And it was just what I chose to listen. It was, I don't know. I, I just gravitated towards it, man. I loved rap and everyone. I was the only one in my house who was into it. You know, uh, yeah. my, my sister was, she was all about like the nineties alternative, like Alanis Morissette. She was obsessed with Aerosmith and Marilyn Manson and like um, yeah. Bush, and, well, like a lot of, a lot of that stuff. And she was always, she was always trying to get me to get into that stuff. And it wasn't that I wasn't into it. And I really, she's older than me, so I really admired her. And I would sit there and listen. But I didn't realize how much it stuck until later on, looking back. But, you know, I have a younger brother, and he was listening to different stuff. But, you know, my parents are classic rock. But my mom was always playing, like, Beatles records and stuff. So, uh, mm. but, but 
it wasn't until to answer your initial question, like high school, man, I, I finally, I still love rap. Don't get me wrong, but I finally transitioned and, and just opened my mind and started listening to other stuff. And it was the Weezer blue album that changed everything for me. I mean, I had that CD and, but it's funny that, I mean, that came out in 1994 and I didn't really get into it until like 99, 2000. So yeah. I was late. I was really late into getting into stuff, but I played that CD and probably only that CD in my disc, man. I'm telling you thousands of times, like every day for half a year or something, it just, just spot to the point where it broke and I had to go buy another one or two more. And that was uh, eventually how I transitioned into like the emo stuff. That's when I got into taking back Sunday and piebald and dashboard confessional and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. I was uh, ashamedly, kind of found the stuff from new i was a new metal kid at one point what's wrong hey man that's your yeah. journey yeah. <laughs> i remember my my buddy in high school we were like an av class and his band he was like an incubus style kind of band and he's like yeah we're gonna go see the i'm gonna we're playing the cop they're playing this, we had this coffee shop in connecticut called planet bean and i remember like going to that and then i remember him taking me to a, a hardcore show without knowing what hardcore was like actually, I honestly the first time I heard like hardcore, I actually thought it was hip hop, um, and like I forgot why, but there's someone he want I don't know. There's someone he wanted to talk to, and there was a band from Boston called X Self Defense X. I don't know if they like did much or anything, but I remember like walking into the basement of the Knights of Columbus Hall, and then all of a sudden, just like people were moshing and be like, and just something took over me. I was like, I gotta kick something. That's funny, <laughs> man. Yeah, awesome. I will say what. My I had two simultaneous but separate introductions like to that world because within just a couple of months I went to my two first shows ever. One of them was at the Knights of Columbus in Lynn. It's actually good. I can like I can see it from my backyard. Yeah. Um, so that was because a buddy of mine from high school he was in a band called Preston, uh, and he he knew I I had just bought a, a video camera. Like when the mini one started to come out with a little screen that popped out on the side and you could, yep. instead of instead of just putting it up to your eye, you know, it had an actual like screen so you could see. First $500 I ever made at 14 years old, uh, just pushing carriages at a grocery store. I saved it up and I bought a camera and I was using it. Me and my buddies were just trying to like redo like jackass and just stupid shit, you know, like jumping off of sh- whatever, breaking our bones. And then my buddy's like, he He's like, you got a camera? Can you come to my show and like record our set? And I was like, yeah, dude, sure. So that was my first uh, like punk or, you know, whatever, that type of show. And probably a month before or after. So there's this venue called New World and it's inland right next to where the high schools play football. So I was I was just like smoking weed with a buddy or two. Just like we would smoke weed Friday nights, go to the football game. And my buddy was super in hardcore and and we get all stoned and like halftime comes. He's like, this is boring. He's like, bro, there's a hardcore show at new world, which is right across the street. He's like, come to the show. And I was just like, uh, all right, we got to smoke more weed. Yeah. All right. I'm in, you know, <laughs> like, so we were just getting stoned. And, and that was when I first saw Unearth. Oh, Unearth. Wow. Is- Unearth is from Lynn. I, I just had Buzz, the guitarist, on my podcast. But I was I mean, saying, Unearth, didn't you just talk to them on them? Yeah, Un- Unearth is huge. And the only reason I was able to get him, I mean, they've done OzFest and like all these big, big tours. The only reason I was able to get him is because I, I know his brother 
and I was just like, yo, can you get Buzz? Oh, you can you help me get Buzz on my podcast, dude? He was like, oh, yeah, I got you, dude. Because I had reached out to him before that. And not that he didn't want to do it. He just didn't. It, his brother helped, you know, kind of push it. And he came on. And it was it's probably the most popular episode that I've done. Because we're, yeah. we're from the same city. So it was just so easy to talk to him, oh, even yeah. though we never really talked before, you know? Have you noticed that? It's so odd. At one point, my cousin was married to the singer of Red Fang. And um he we were supposed to do the podcast just one of those things never happened and then i'll have complete strangers come on that are like of that level and be like yeah sure i'm like but we're like related <laughs> it's and you wouldn't do it yeah. and then like um yeah i don't know it is always funny i mean isn't it kind of fun now at this part of i'm sure that the podcast has been huge for me in that too of like is there something so cool like you know you're, t- you're talking to the gentleman from on earth or like I, I loved your Krista Makes episode as well. But, like, it's so cool when you're, like, getting to talk to people and be, like, in the back of your head, like, I bought your album when I was in high school. And now we're, like, just talking like peers. Dude. Uh, it's crazy. Well, first of all, thanks for checking out the podcast. I really appreciate it. And, I, and I've listened to a couple of yours as well and have enjoyed it. Um, I like it. But, I, you know, I agree 100% to the point where yeah, I'm just, like, I can't believe I'm talking to this person. To, and I do geek out in the moment but it, it's not i don't think it's over the top and what i found is i just speak my heart and people are just like dude no thank you for being a fan you know yeah. and i'm like no 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 thank you for just talking to me like, if zero people listen to this episode i just got to talk to someone who i've been seeing in concert for years or someone who i i just truly admire and that in itself is honestly a dream come true so um but i to the point where i can't even call i don't even call them peers even piebald i don't call those guys peers like no. i look at them like i, I look up to them. they're friends but i look to them i look up to them as role models and heroes still and like but like when we're working they're like my boss not that they act that way like there's yeah the well, they are. but you know i'm just I, I just like it's a respect mentality yeah i don't know probably it's how you keep the job i like, yeah yeah that's a good way that's true. You're right. You're right. So You're right. can I ask you, um, what did you do for corporate work? So I was an executive for Panera Bread. I oh, was uh, I was lovely. overseeing. There's a franchise, uh, Panera Bread franchise in New England, in Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and Maine. And I was overseeing 64 locations. You have, well, I'm so mad when you guys changed over your tomato mozzarella panini and I've never forgiven you. But one hell of an Asiago cheese bagel. Yeah, so I was actually more specifically, I was the director of baking. So the oh, the, over, the the overnight bakers, well, Panera has overnight bakers, like every single Panera bread. And so I was overseeing the bakers for sixty four locations, and uh, so it was a you know really good money. I mean, I was I was making six figures, and not yeah. I don't mean I don't mean that to brag. I just mean like yeah, I, I was making really good money, and I I saved up and I made a couple smart moves financially. And it was really hard to leave because of the money, but that's how miserable I was. I was just this uh, yeah. for me. And but when I left, my dad, like he's, I this was two years ago. He's still mad at me. <laughs> it's just like, what do you mean you you quitting your job? You you making more money than I've ever made? What, what, what he, he like, I, I still feel that like uh, he's just like because yeah, he's an old, old school blue collar. Old, you know, yeah. 
it's like and you try to, I, I, you know, I, I want to become one of those people that has so much money. I can tell everyone that it doesn't make you happy. I'm not there yet, but I want to become one of those people who has so much of it. And be like, I promise. But, and there's this great Jim Carrey quote. He's like, I wish everyone could have all the money in all the world and find out it doesn't buy you happiness. Cause it's just, Carrie. it's just true. I mean, at some point, like, I mean, I, that, I think that's awesome that you were like self-aware enough to know to be like, I don't have to do this. Like money is good. Don't get me wrong. Like there's like a level, but like, you know, at some point, like you're making six figures, but like your life is fucking garbage. What's, what is the point? Like to me, to me, at least there's zero point of being that miserable for that. I mean, there's not enough money to be that miserable. Even, and I didn't have a bad, it, it was a great job. I can't even talk, you know, badly about the company or the people, you know, they did a lot of good things, but at the same time, there's like the, I don't like the corporate vibe so much, but, um, you know, and I didn't make a ton of money, but I, I made a couple really, I bought a couple condos and I rent them out now. Yeah. And so where I'm at now, like I'm in my parents, my parents' basement, dude, I'm 35 awesome. years old, but now yeah. but it, it is an in-law apartment. So I have my own entrance. I have my own kitchen i have my own bath yeah, i own a house with my in-laws it's like a, it's like a little studio and i'm still yeah. renting out my other two hondos like I, oh, so people, people pay me rent yeah it's great dude but you know every time i my dad walks maybe this is the guilt i think it's, it's probably half true and half guilt yeah probably more guilt i, I just i fit no because he because now i'm just bartending and like we live on a pond right and i bartend at a restaurant that is on the same pond so i literally just like i just kayak to work <laughs> I yeah. swear to God, my life. that's how i get to work i walk out my back door i hop in a kayak and i kayak to work and i tie it up and then i and then i you know walk up the ramp and i'm there and but i can i don't know maybe he's subconsciously jealous but i i i don't even think that's i just don't think he understands me like because when i was saying i was going to europe he's like what do you what do you mean what do you mean you're going to europe he, like he hasn't been anywhere other than like las vegas you know the, and i love my parents with all my heart um yeah but that's just there's just a disconnect there where he's just like you need to make money and you need benefits and blah 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 but i'm like i'm like dude i'm 35 i have no fucking kids you know uh and i'm uh, recently single at the time and and like i want to be happy i want to go see the world that wasn't yeah. what you wanted to do yeah but this is my journey right you know, dude, I don't know. does that bartending gig does that, does that help with the flexibility to like uh go do tour management and stuff Oh yeah, because it, it's primarily a summer bar, so it's kind of seasonal. That being said, um, when I came back from Europe, the only reason I started working there because it's it's around the corner. So I just I was in there having a beer like the day I got back from Europe, and I was like, hey, yeah, uh, you, you folks need a bartender because I need a job, and I, I'm quite experienced. And they were like, oh yeah, actually we do. When can you start? And I was like, whenever. I just got back from Europe. I told them my story, and yeah, they were yeah. just like. They're like, yeah, you're in. And two months into that, the Pieball Dashboard Confessional Tour gets announced. And I was like, ah, I know I just started here, but I get this tour coming up. And and I learned this in the corporate world. You don't ask for something when it's hell. When, yeah, I said, hey, um, I just got this tour. It's the coolest opportunity of my life. And I won't be here in like January and February, just so you know, <laughs> it was, I didn't. And you know what, if they're not okay with that, then that's fine. I, I don't need the, I don't, I love where sure. I work. Like I actually love where I work very much, but the owner, he was beyond cool, dude. He goes, Holy shit. That's he, he goes, 
I'm jealous. You have to do that. You can't not do that. It, I can't wait till you come because I work hard too. I'm a good, I'm, I'm a good bartender. And not only that, the day I was my last day, he shows up at the end of my shift at like midnight, just to like say bye to me. And he hands me an envelope, $500 cash. He goes, here, here's some beer money. Here's some beer money. We'll see you when, when you come back. We'll miss you. And I was like, fuck yeah. I'll see you in a couple months or whatever. It was. So to answer your question. Yeah. I, it's that's great. Badass. So let's back up though. Cause I, I want to, I want to piece together how you go from tour managing. So how do you meet Piebald? Cause they're pretty, they're such a unique band, man. Like they're like huge in our scene, like legends in some sense. Cause you know, there's that, like if on some subsets of stuff like, um, like, of our of our world, like the emo world or whatever you I don't know what you call it, the scene, but like you know you hear these legendary it's like Piebald and Caven and Converge all playing the same show in Boston in '99 and stuff yeah. like that. And Piebald doesn't ever really fit any venue. And I'm um I that's I love that kind of stuff. Like one of my favorite bands and my buddies are in Folly, which were like a hardcore ska band, hardcore band with ska breakdowns. So like I'm such a sucker for that stuff. But like, yeah. so how did you go from scene kid to Europe to? Uh, actually, let me ask you this: When did you meet the Piebald gentleman? So, I was just their biggest fan, and I still am. And I was just the fact that they're from Andover, Massachusetts, which is only a few towns over from Lynn, Massachusetts. Obviously, they're going to play more shows in the area. So I was just going to see them all the time. And they're they're very approachable, dude. Like every show, even when we're on tour dashboard, they'll they'll you know I sell the merch too. But after the set, dude, they'll they'll go backstage, clean up or whatever, and they come right out and they'll stand next to me and just to talk to the fans and meet people. And so they've always been very approachable. And I've always like actually at first I was always so like shy. I'm not a shy person at all. I can talk to anyone, but sometimes like especially like you know. 20 years ago i'm like oh my god that's the guy that's the that's travis from pieball i was just i i just didn't want to bother him and i was nervous so but eventually i worked up the courage to have conversations with them at the shows and they got to know me only through that and then when facebook really started um when it evolved from just like a college thing to everybody can join facebook i like sent travis and uh luke from pieball the friend requests and then I was like, oh, they accepted it. I was like, holy shit, I'm Facebook friends with like Travis and Luke from Fireball. I was like giddy about it. And then fast forward, uh, I eventually, well, they broke up for like, I don't know, like eight years or something like that. And they did a reunion show in 2016. Now, at this point, they didn't know me well, but they know who I, you know, I'm just one of their super fans who's, who's always at their shows. Right. Yeah. Now, their former tour manager, mid 2000s used to always go up on stage and play the cowbell during the song The Stalker. It was like a joke thing based off the Will Ferrell skit. So in 2016, when they got back together, a couple sold out shows at the Royale in Boston. I'm like, nobody's playing the cowbell. And I, I should be. So they had a West Coast reunion run a month later. I flew out to Los Angeles. I had a carry-on size piece of luggage. And in that, I had a couple little bit of clothes, few clothing items and a cowbell showed up to Los Angeles at their sound check at the Echoplex with a cowbell and like a case of beers. And I was like, I'm here to play the cowbell. Now there wasn't an opening. This wasn't a conversation. I just bought tickets to all their, like all, it was like five or six shows. Mm-hmm. So I was going to be at their shows either way, but I, mm. I showed up at their sound check, had the cowbell and beers. And I was like, yeah, I want to play the cowbell. And they were like, really? And I was like, yeah, and I'm going to be at all your shows. So 
you kind of stuck with me. And they were like, that's fucking awesome. They're like, but we got to make sure you can actually do this. So during sound check, we're going to play the stalker and we get, come up on stage. I've never been more nervous. I did Boston calling 40,000 people. I was more nervous just playing with them because I was shaking, dude. Yeah. I bet. I, at the end of the thing, at the end of the whatever the audition for the position that wasn't even open they're like dude you're you are awesome yes you are in you're in and since then i've been touring with them it, it eventually evolved into just being merch guy and and again to tour manager damn i mean i guess it makes sense too like the the i'm sure the pool of people to pick from to go take out and tour as you get older it gets a little bit there's less and less people that are in their 30s and 40s that can just pick up and leave for six weeks here and there and like the fact that you just showed up to be like, yo, so and you, right. you knew each other too. I mean, I know that if someone's listening to this who's not from our world, that's not the most uncommon thing to go like, like you, I guess for, for non punk people, it'd be like Grateful Dead. It's not uncommon just to go to all their shows. Like I've, I've done, I've seen bands like nights in a row. So, and sometimes you become friendly enough, and then sometimes you get to go in the band with them, or sometimes you're just traveling yourself. Or, but yeah, that's fun. But that's so dope. And then who thought that would ever lead you to, um, to get into our freaking dashboard of all things. Dude, that's a the Grateful Dead, that's a great example. And and yeah. you said that perfectly because there's so many stories like that of people just going from fan to working with the band and then going on and doing even bigger things. And yeah, um, I mean I've done that. Like I've done merch for so many bands and stuff like that. Not much never really touring, but like or do you ever hear that there's like a well famous in our ska world, but like um, Jeff Rosenstock, who's now a solo artist, but when his first band, AS, Arrogant Sons of Bitches, went on um, tour, they showed up to Warp Tour for like, I don't know how many nights, maybe, I'll say a week just for, our, for um, our sake. And they would just play the parking lot of Warp Tour and eventually caught Kevin Lyman's ears and then he threw them on Warp Tour. Dude, and then they become like um, the yes. music industry. And uh, my friend Chuck ended up, dude, oh my God, I love, he's my buddy Chuck. He, I don't know how, but he eventually somehow convinced the podcast tell him Steve Dave to let him them film one of their live shows to the point where now he works for Kevin Smith. Like sometimes it's just like tenacity, right? Uh, yeah. Persistence. And you also, you gotta be, you just gotta be sincere, not creepy. Not creepy. You gotta be a good shit. Um, so yeah, it, you know, you can get drunk, but you can't be yeah, a, just, a, a ugly just, just put out good energy and, and, and don't give up. And you know, that's, like with piebald so because they all have different lives jobs and that's why they split but they they remain best friends mm. so a reunion thing was inevitable and uh but because of their separate lives and kids and stuff like that you know just a couple times a year they would get together for a week here a week there and yeah. i had a t i would when i was with panera i had a shitload of vacation time so mm -hmm. anytime a tour was announced, I would I would just tell my boss, I'd be like, president of the company. I'd be like, just so you know, I won't be here this week and this week because I'm going on tour. He'd be like, okay. And so I was using my paid vacation. Now, also, I was staying in um, hotels a lot with Panera because I was, you know, traveling around three different states. And, you know, so but I would always stay in a Marriott. I got a Marriott credit card and I racked up like a million, literally a million. I'm a platinum lifetime member. I had all these points. Damn. Just on, on Panera's dime. I, I mean, I wasn't doing anything wrong. I just, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was just racking up the, the loyalty points. Yeah. And uh, so when I first started touring with Piebald, 
And the irony is the, the one song I was playing the cowbell on, it's called the stalker, but I was actually stalking them. <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't, I, like, cause I, I wanted to stay out of their way. I didn't want to be like weird to, to your point with the warp tour thing. So I would book everything. I would stay in my own hotel rooms and there was a running joke because they would be driving from show to show and I would be flying from show to show and staying in like Marriott's. <laughs> they were just like on the road, like all crammed into one hotel room and <laughs> staying in like these really nice. They were like, yeah, you know, we, uh, we, we stay in like red roof Inn and motel six or whatever, but uh, our cowbell player, he flies first class from show to show <laughs> first class and he, he stays in Marriott's, uh, but eventually, the, um, corporate executive going on tour <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah but but eventually i did you know join them and go in the van with them but i waited till they asked me because eventually they were like all right you're you're cool i'm sure they were a little weirded out at first but they gave me a chance you know they're like this guy seems all right we'll see how it goes whatever Cu- maybe a couple of years later they were like all right this guy we're stuck with him and we now we need a merch guy because at first they had a merch guy they had a tour manager you know so they didn't need me they let me hang around, which was just a dream come true. And yeah, the very, oh yeah, yeah, that's why I was with Folly. Just hang around until you become friends, and then you just become friends, and it's dope. The very first tour, this is a hilarious story. Uh, like maybe two or three shows in, we were touring with the band Limbeck. Um, in the oh, yeah, band. yeah, yeah. So, so this is my first time. Like, so not only am I with Piebald and with Limbeck and this other band that called Facial, it was so fun. And maybe the second or third show in. This guy, John, I got a shout out to John Cheese. He tour managed Limbeck. Merch guy extraordinaire. You know John Cheese? Not personally, but like, I've heard him on. Yeah, plenty. he's a legend. Yeah, he's like, a legend in our scene. One of those yeah. behind the bands, uh, behind the scenes legends. You know, he's. I've heard tour, him on several podcasts. He's tour managed Piebald. There's an episode on my show with him coming up. He's tour managed Piebald, Limbeck. He's toured with My Chemical Romance, and he has great stories. That he even has his own. Uh, certified gold record because he was the guy who was selling all those warp tour compilations, just hustling, hustling, selling oh. those CDs to kids. So th- he's got a thing with his name on it, gold record. So, so he, I always knew who he was as well, but I had never met him. Now this made that tour even more special because he was tour managing Limbeck and he was also doing merch for Limbeck and Piebald. And I went up to him and I was like, yo man, I saw you on the Piebald DVD, like, you know, 10 years ago. It's so cool to meet you. And, He's like, yeah, cool to meet you too, whatever. And like, like third show in, he just goes, I was like walking by. I was like, yo, cheese, uh, you need water? You need anything? Can I get, get you anything? He goes, he goes, nah, I'm good. He goes, by the way, I got a question. I go, yeah, what's up? He goes, who are you? And like, where did you come from? <laughs> I just, I told him my story. And he was like, that's amazing, dude. And that's pretty much how I got into to like what I'm doing now too. He goes, that's rad. So I bonded with that guy like immediately. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited for that episode. That's kind of punk rock. It's just kind of hanging out, being cool. And then sometimes a drop lands in your lap if you're lucky. Yeah, man. <laughs> but I was, I mean, I was paying to, to tour with them. Oh yeah. For sure. I, was, just, I, was just, I was happy I to be there. That's so awesome. I, th- I wish more people who had disposable income did stuff like that instead of like, I don't know, like starting a political action committee to go like ban abortion or like outlaw Jeez. gay marriage. Like everyone just take your passions and go see music and stop doing bad political things. Music. That's why I love music festivals. You know, if you go to a music festival and I, that's it, just like the hippie vibes, you know, I, I, at like riot fest or Boston calling or anything like oh that. Like I'll just sit down on the grass and like by myself with a beer and like two people will sit next to me and be like, Hey man, you know, 
my name's Ashley or, you know, my name's mm -hmm. John. And then we'll just start talking. And there's a band playing in the background. I'm like, I'm like, cool. Nice to meet you. You know, just you just start talking. And then other people, all of a sudden you're in a big circle just talking to people and just being like, this band's rad. Yeah, it's 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 music. It's, it brings it brings it together. together. And, and you forget you for, it's an escape. You know, you forget about <laughs> your own problems or the world's problems. And uh, I'm getting goosebumps here. Jeez. It's no, it's it's so true. Have you had that awesome? I, my favorite experience is like being backstage somewhere and being around like famous people and watching them get excited over like chicken fingers. And like you have a billion, like it's there's like this universal thing that no matter how wealthy you are, free food will always excite you. It could be like I don't know, like Jeff Bezos could like come up be there and be like, oh man, free chicken fingers. <laughs> like, dude, yeah, dude. you could totally. buy, you could buy a all... chicken. Chicken fingers are great, and we're all human, you know. It just but, it always cracks me up. It, it like, is, festivals are cool for that because it's just like you see local bands and then like some like legends, and they're all just like, "Oh, cool mustard! All right, <laughs> good chronomans." You're like, uh, "What?" <laughs> That's hilarious, man. Uh, I used to work for Fun Ruckers. It, uh, do you you know Jordan's Furniture? It's like New England. Yeah, yeah. It's a big. Uh, so for those who might not know, it's it's easily the most successful furniture company furniture store it's a chain of furniture stores and they did commercials going way back to the mid 90s and they're probably one of the most successful companies in the world as far as the furniture thing goes point being that dude is like a multi multi-millionaire the guys from the commercials with the dude with the ponytail he came oh, in yeah, yeah. he came into fuddruckers once because there's a fuddruckers inside of a jordan's and he comes uh, in he he like he, he's ordering like food and stuff. And he's got his burger in his hands and I'm, I'm just sitting there like, Holy shit. That's, that's the guy that I've been seeing on yeah. TV for 20 years. He just goes, Hey, I, I really need some honey mustard right now. I can't eat my fries without any honey mustard. Where's the honey mustard? I'm like, I got you, dude. I got you, Mr. Jordan, whatever your name is. I got you. I, you know that. <laughs> I worked at Starbucks in Connecticut and we were down the street from edible arrangements and I befriended the CEO just, not knowing who he was just because, you know, you're supposed to in those chatty jobs. And for like the last couple of years I worked there, he would send, they would send over a fruit basket like once every two weeks. Cause we'd always give them free drinks. Noise. That's I, like, cool. I, I love, I don't, I'm such a sucker for those perks. So, um, all right. So you're, you're back from home from Europe, you bought it, you And then, uh, you get the call from the, the, the pieball guys like, Hey, Dana, we got a tour. You're like, okay. But it's with this guy named Chris Carabo. You ever heard of him? Were you like a big dashboard fan prior to said tour? Oh God, yeah, I've been a dashboard confessional fan for twenty years. You know, I'm... I proposed my wife with a dashboard song. What song? Stolen. Oh, that's beautiful. Got from Scrubs. That's <laughs> came to me in a dream. That's so cool, man. No, I had a dream I... that I was proposing to her on a beach, and that song was playing in the background. So that's how I kind of put it together. That's I I, I swear. I'm getting goosebumps again. I swear on my life. That's like one day when uh, Chris Carabo will do the show. I'm going to tell him that. That's um, so beautiful, and yeah, you I'm know, sure he gets that all the time, though. Of course, yeah, because you know, I know a lot of people would agree with this. Like probably like a million people. He, that guy, in my mind, he's the king of emo. You know, and yeah. and, and what he did was super punk rock. Even though his music well, doesn't sound like too. punk rock. Well. Yeah, and he really, really um, did a punk rock thing just by hustling, working hard, and 
getting any possible gig that he could. And that in, a lot of that included opening up for people in his network, which were hardcore bands. So be a whole bunch of hardcore bands. And he was just standing up there with an acoustic guitar. Those kids didn't want to hear that shit, but he was, he never gave up. And his, his, uh, you know, friends like bands from like H2O and, you know, just people from glory. Yeah. But even before that, like, yeah, yeah. straight hardcore. And, um, you know, he just, people, he told, he told this, I had him on my podcast and he told this great, I love this story. And I don't, I won't tell the whole thing, but I'll butcher it. But basically, dude, he was opening up for H2O at this hardcore show and people started throwing quarters at him. Like they were bouncing off his guitar, bouncing off his cheek, just like, just throwing. And, and he like, he didn't like quit. He, 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 but he, he was saying he rushed through his songs. He's like, I just want to get, just get through this, just get through this. And then he started to like walk off stage. I, I think he cut his set a little short just to like get the fuck out of there. And the, all the dudes from like H2O were standing with their arms crossed. And they're like, where are you going? And he's like, oh, well, like I'm done. They're like, nope, go back out there, keep playing. And by the way, pick up all those quarters because you earned those. Damn. And then, and and then the dude from H2O grabbed a dashboard confessional t-shirt off like the merch table, put it on and went up and played his set. How, I mean, that's, that's punk rock, man. Yeah. And then it turned into what, obviously, I mean, dashboard is huge. I mean, and he was just the best dude. And uh, what was touring together? Like it was so cool. And I didn't know what to expect. And I told this to him, you know, I was like nervous to meet him. And again, like the, the Bible guys had already toured with him like way back in the day and met him and stuff. But in my head, I'm like, holy shit. Like, and when, when I first met him, it was in Dallas, Texas at the house of blues. And we settled into like our green room. I don't know, maybe I'm sitting at my merch table. I walk back backstage and he's just sitting there on the couch, just, you know, chilling, talking to Bible. I'm like, holy fuck. That is that's Chris Car- that's Chris Carabba. Like in my I was I was nervous. I started like sweating, dude. <laughs> like I got I got super nervous. And I didn't think I would get that nervous, you know? But he was just so cool. And um maybe the second show in, third show in on the tour, I'm standing backstage, like one song away from going out to play the cowbell, and an arm comes around me. And I was like, and I turned, it was Chris Carabba. He goes, I was like, yo, what's up, dude? You know, he goes, you know, what's awesome. I was like, what? He goes, we get to watch Piebald play every night on this tour. And I was like, I go, yeah, dude, they're my favorite band. He goes, me too. You know what I mean? And then I, I did the cowbell thing. I got off the stage. He was clapping. He's like, yeah, Dana. So he was just so good to us. And he didn't need to take us on tour. He could have taken any band on tour. Yeah, why, so he, why, why do you think you took Piebald? It's such a interesting like I just said, Like I just said, he he. It's one of his favorite bands. He lo- he genuinely loves Piebald to the point where here's another example. He, you know, he's busy. He's doing interviews and stuff like pre-show. He's got interviews. He's got podcasts. He's got meetings. He's got phone calls. There was this one woman who was doing some photography and stuff um, for him backstage. And I got to know her a little bit. We start talking. She was like, hey, just going to let you know, Chris, Chris, like really loves your band. And I was like. Yeah, he told me that. She goes, no, no, no. While you, while Pieball was doing sound check, we were like talking, and he was talking to someone, 
and he goes, hold on, hold on. I really want to hear this song. This is like one of my favorite songs. You know, so he was just so sincere mm. and to the point. And on the last day of the tour, dude, he was like, he was like, yo, dude, like take my number and text me sometime. And I was like, okay. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. But I never did. I don't want to like bother him and stuff. But then a year later, when I started interviewing people for the podcast, I still had his number, had never texted him. And then I, you know, sent him a thing. I was like, Hey, dude, it's Dana from Pieball. That was like, you told me it was cool to text you. I hope that's still okay. Uh, I got a podcast. I would love to have you on the show. He answered right away. He was just like, dude, totally. Yeah. He's like, less than a week later. I'm talking to him like you and I are talking right now. That's so crazy. Yeah. And he's hard to get a message to. Like I've, I've searched there, there, there. He's a great guy. He's a really good concept. guy. But so, so just so you know, like to answer your question. Yeah. He's, he's the man, but I didn't know going in. I had no idea. This was the first like really big tour. I yeah. Done. I had only done piebald headlining shows and like a couple festivals before that. So I, I didn't know what to so expect. Like your first tour tour. And you, but you have to work too. Mm-hmm. You're not hanging out. You're tour managing. Yes, sir. So you actually yeah. have to do stuff like yeah. when, when headaches arrive, that's where you come in. Yes. And I've said this before, but I, I always will say I was tour manager. Yes. But those guys have been a band since 1994. In 1994, I was nine years old. They didn't need me. They yeah. chose me and, and they believed in me. So while I was tour manager, it was really kind of like a college course, you know, on tour managing. And they taught me everything. And they were, they were, yeah. just they, they took me under their wing and, and I, I fucked up a couple times and they, you know, one of them will pull me aside and just be like, hey, man, um, so what you did there. Yeah, yeah. So next time, this is how you want to handle that. And so they really, really just. Good they, mentors. They were, they were the, dude, they're the best guys ever, ever. And they, I'm, I, I'm still with them for future shows. So I, I couldn't have fucked up that bad. If, if they're still yeah, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> you know, that was, but that was a big test for me. I was nervous just doing that. I mean, now that the pandemic is where it's at like is there plans or, or hope like you'll probably go back out with them yeah so we're doing furnace fest in birmingham alabama uh oh, that's sep- and like the last week in, in september yeah, everyone's like, fucking playing furnace fest dude have, that lineup how insane is that lineup it's so sick dude. it's like so bands like good. with honor and bands that don't like that were never that big but big in my area are playing there's so many i mean it is like the sick one of the sickest lineups i've ever seen for a festival if in my world and the bands that i like now yeah it's like our woodstock i want to just go hang out yeah. out backstage i don't even want to see music do i just want to just talk do it everyone um but so what's cool about that is every time pieball does a festival well we're all getting together might as well do a couple other shows so we're doing two or three shows with thursday like the same week and that's yeah. a dream. I fucking love Thursday. I've been a Thursday fan forever too. Same. Uh, Are you guys doing anything yeah. around this area, Boston, Rhode Island? Not at that time. And there's nothing or- announced yet, or there's nothing even in the books yet. However, what I can say is, you know, pre-pandemic, Pieball was starting to do holiday shows again, and holiday shows have been a tradition for Pieball going back to still- going back to the '90s. Yeah, yeah. So we we did. A holiday run uh, in 2019. Then the dashboard tour happened like a month later. And we started talking about doing more holiday shows. Everything shut down. And I think if we can pull it off, we're going to try to do holiday shows again. 
just don't hold me to it because they all have their own individual stuff. But Live, uh, yeah. but as far as obviously, Piebald will play Boston again. No, well, I just, I'm asking inevitable. selfishly. Of course, uh, I yeah. want to go to the concert and be like, "Oh, hey, Dana, what's up? Yeah, actually, I just yeah. want to hang out with you, yeah, drink dude. at your bar. We can hang out totally, man. I'll buy you a beer. Yeah, I, I'm. Um, I just got tickets to Streetlight Manifesto in Boston, and I just interviewed Matt. And Sick, I think dude. I think he wants to do another podcast up in Boston. I was like, yes. That's, That's so the best cool. part. And I love them. That there's a lot of hype for that show in particular. There's so many people who are like, "Yo, yo, you going to Streetlight?" And I'm, the only reason I haven't bought a ticket to that show or any other shows right around that time is because I don't want to commit to that. And then, uh, you know, because like I just said, Piebald, there's a chance yeah. we're going to be doing these holiday shows. So I might, I'm if we don't do the holiday shows, I'll go to that last minute probably. Yeah, I'm. I actually am limiting my concerts for the near future because of my hearing. I have to get like these special custom things. So now I'm like, I'm only going to see bands that I really want to see instead of. I, at first, I was like, I'm going to see everything, and now I'm like, oh, I got to really limit the amount of concerts I go to, which kind of sucks. Bummer, but dude. Streetlights on there, obviously. I've always, I actually be truthful, I liked Piebald, but I didn't really get back into really, really into them until like 2019. Was, I remember listening to Travis on Going Off Track. And then really diving deep into the holiday album, like all my friends loved them, but I just I told it, I just knew that one song, "Hey, You're Part of It," and then right. and recently I've been doing a diet. I'm like, damn, like I just love their strong structure. I don't know, they're just so weird. Yeah, American Hearts is uh, is the song. The album right here is behind me. Yeah, I've been staring it. at it. So it's called "We We Are the Only Friends We Have." If anyone um who's listening wants to check it out, I it's it's I'm biased, obviously, but it's my favorite I'm trying album to find, ever. I was trying to find it's a perfect. Pun. To drop in this interview at some point, but I couldn't find a natural way to want to be like. I was like the whole day. I was like, I gotta find a way for him to be like, I'm not in Pieball, but I was like, yeah, but hey, you're part of it, and that's all I thought about all day, and I couldn't well, do it. Don't force it, man. Don't force it. I forced it. It's been forced. You forced it, bro. It's, it's okay. The problem. It's okay. Oh. Uh, so, um, yeah. So tell me about <laughs> um before I kind of wrap him towards the end of like, um. Well, I mean, the po- the podcast is great. Like the are the people you're getting are these just friends or like just friends of friends? Are you kind of like kind of kind of where I was? Or well, it seems like going into that, you might have had a couple more connections than I did. If you if you look back at my back catalog, it's like my my episode one's like my father in law, and the first few episodes are like literally like my friends. And then it took me a, a it, it took some time to get to where we are, but I'm I'm happy about that. Well, that, that's funny, man. It's it sounds like we've taken a similar path. Like I said earlier, you know, I started off, I would just get you my had a buddy. much better job than I did. Uh, well, even, even still, I just mean, I would have, no, I'm just mean, teasing. <laughs> I would have, you know, somebody over who I grew up with, but we worked together at some other restaurant yeah. and it's like this, this dude is a character. There's nobody like him. He's hilarious. Come over and t- let's just shoot the shit. And also I got to give you props because you've been doing your pocket since what? 2013. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank so, you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, dude. I, um, respect for that. That's that's it's, cool. Uh, it's definitely uh, you know? an addiction. Yeah, dude, I love it. But um, yeah, similar start. I, you know, it's just my friends, and I was just trying to figure things out. And I didn't plan on on it being what it is now. You know, it just really naturally evolved into what it has. And uh, but to answer your question, you know, it, it depends. Like the Pieball guys, right? I've had all of them on because they're my homies and they have great stories and I wanted to have them on. And then it was just like Chris Caraba. Like I said, he, he told me to text him sometime. And like a year later I was like, you know what? I bet he'd come on the podcast. 
so some of it is you know through that i would i would say it all kind of goes back to pieball to like yeah for for it to have gotten to the point where it is like i've had tucker from thursday i've had eddie reyes who founded taking back sunday yeah. uh That's dave Thank you. I really appreciate that. I, I work uh, in um, recover. I work in behavioral health, and like I, I'm a drug counselor as well. And to hear him talking about like recovery and stuff, and he 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 was very open. Like I, at least for my my ears, I'm much more in tune to recovery talk. Like I, early in your interview, I can kind of hear him dancing around it. I'm like, oh, yep, yep. He, he's in, he's part of the secret society. And at some oh, point, man. he said that he's like, yeah, I lost my mind. Uh, alcohol. I was like, there it is. Yeah, he really opened up, and you know, and and he was he was very vulnerable about it too. Well, I mean, I think I'm a respectful guy overall, and and you know, respect. It's you got to be respectful. But well, thank you for saying that. But yeah, I mean, I treat anybody that way, whether it's you know Eddie from Taking Back Sunday or Joe Schmo walking down the street, you know. But um, and, and in that episode, you know, I felt uh, my one regret. Is like, I felt as I if, almost broke into taking back Sunday right there. I just thought you're gonna be like my one regret, and you're just gonna be like, I never let you hold me back. <laughs> I will nice. never ask if you don't ever tell me. We should just, just nice. bust out right now. If you don't ever tell me, I know you well enough to know two I'm, week notice. I'm not a singer. Boom. Yeah, two week notice podcast is the name. Yeah, now, no, no, but, no, no, but, people. But listen, <laughs> but here's the deal. Uh, you know, I felt like he. I got a vibe like he didn't want to keep talking. I think he said it on the show. He's like, are we done? And he was like half joking. And I was like, oh, and we were at about an hour. So I was like, all right, I sh-, in my head, I'm like, we should start wrapping it up. And then we wrapped it up and I hit stop recording. And then he kept, we, we kept talking for at least another 20, maybe 30 minutes. And he goes, dude, why'd you stop recording? We should, but he's like, you should be recording this. And he really opened up even more about his sobriety. And like, he told some, yeah. like, I was like, in my and in my head, I'm like, fuck, I wish this was recording, but I'm not gonna just hit record on him. And you know, it's like just like yeah, we're, we're not gotcha respect types. But then when he was exactly, yeah, I would never fucking do that. But but when he was like, dude, you should have been recording this, I was like, damn it. <laughs> and taking back Sunday, I mean that that was that was one of those moments like Chris yeah. Garaba or Chris Demakes from Listen Jake or Eddie or a lot of these people. There, I'm like, I can't believe I'm talking. I'm like, I can't believe I'm talking yeah. to this person. I cannot believe this. And then so when we hit stop recording. And maybe there's people that I still text just through that. They're like, Hey, how's it going? Or vice versa. Or they, they like, you know, they don't just get off the call. They'll, we'll just keep talking for, you know, even longer. I'm like, wow, this, I think, I think I just made a new friend, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, well, I have you to think for that with um, boys night out. Cause you're like, Oh yeah. Hit up Connor. I told him I'm like, Oh sure. Sure. And then I was yeah. like, Oh my God. No, all right, let me tell people, start, I'll, hopefully I'll do this in the intro, but I remember I saw you in, on Insta, you, just posted something about Boys Night Out, and I was like, "Oh man, I lo-. it was Trainwreck, which is actually one of my favorite albums ever made in the history of music." And so um, and you're like, "Oh, hit him up!" And I was like, "Oh, I don't know, I'm scared." You're like, "Just do it." I was like, "Okay." Uh, you you were H two O, and I was Chris Caraba in this scenario. <laughs> and then um, so he's like, "Yeah, it's just easier to text." So we just started. He text. I, I sent him a text, just very respectful, like, "Hey, so and so, blah blah." I think the next day, he, we him and I texted for like after our episode a few times. Actually, I talked to him yesterday, like. All of a sudden, he's like, "Yeah, man, we got to find a way to work together." I was like, "And we're like, oh, cool." I'm like, "Like, like, dude, you don't understand like how many times I've listened to your music, like, yeah. I hundreds of thousands. And I, I love all their albums. Like, even besides Trainwreck, I was a huge fan of yep. Make Yourself Sick and all that stuff. So it's me too. Yeah, 
But I, and it's cool. And then the flip side is nobody knows who we're talking about outside of our world. So then you're like, okay, <laughs> but it's, it's still cool. That's okay. And, but I knew he would, do, I was just like, this guy would do Chris's podcast. I like, and, I, did, um, cause I, I got to know him. I didn't know guy. him before. Yeah, so Sergio Anello of the early yeah, Sergio. I uh, talked to him today too. Like, we're gonna we're gonna do that. So if anyone's listened to the later episodes, and if you if you hear Connor uh, from Boys Night Out and Sergio from early November, you can thank Dana for those two. I hope I can uh, return some connect you with some cool people in return. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm not I'm not worried about that. I'm just you know I have nothing to like. Yeah, I mean, some people are like territorial, and you know, I'm, I'm not like that. Like, I'm here that. to. I'm here to. I, it's just. This bad energy. I'm here to network, and also it helps those guys like Connor. I mean, I, I knew he would be an easy guest, and, and he's so funny and just easy to talk to. And Sergio, same thing, dude. That guy, he'll he'll tell stories for days, and, and he's 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 like yeah. so approachable. And and he yeah. just he te- he texted me today. He's like, dude, I got a new uh, album for my solo stuff coming up. He's like, I'd love to come back on your podcast. And I was like, dude, don't you love that? That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? Any I, anytime, and he was yeah. one of the first interviews I ever did for music oh. interviews. I was like, anytime you tell me, and you know, I'm I'm always a couple months ahead. Like I have the next co- like couple months already recorded at least, and yeah. others others already scheduled. So, but if someone like a Sergio has something that's coming out, say August first, I'll bump him up. I'll bump him up right to oh, the yeah. front because he has, he has to. to promote something at a, at a specific time, and he was there for me way back in the day, and uh, not way back in the day, but way back when I first started yeah. doing this. It's seen ethics, man. He so I was like, yeah, anytime. And that was when I was like, wait a second. I bet Chris would want to talk to him, and I bet he would love to come on Chris's show. So I, uh, yeah, I, of I, course. That's how anytime all I, anytime works. I can, uh, anytime I can do something like that for for you or for for the guest or anybody, I'm happy to, uh, you know. Have you run happy. into the territorial thing? Because I've um, had some less than positive experiences with some people accusing me of stealing guests and i'm like i don't i'm trying to and i'm like trying to explain to people I'm like you know one person should go on multiple podcasts because not everyone listens to yours or mine like the idea is that this person needs exposure and they should be shouting it from the fucking rooftop regardless if it's like i remember i won't get too in, into the weeds but i remember someone getting mad because we released an episode of the same guest and they're like oh that's gonna take away from my downloads and like unless you have sponsors your downloads don't mean shit like at this point in the game like not if I get a million or if I get seven, nothing changes tomorrow. Like you know, there's no status change or the, the excitement. So I, I'm like, man, I think it's awesome. Like I love when like I love I love 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 like getting to like share and communicate and build this community. And um, I'm not a gatekeeper, but I try to keep. I don't like that mentality of like, well, I interviewed Dana so that no one else could have Dana on his podcast for six months. I'm like, well, that hurts you, not me. <laughs> that hurts right. the guest. <laughs> yeah. And I can't say I've gotten that, you know, I'm new to this podcast networking thing because I, I, you know, like talking to you, we we just started talking recently and I've been on a couple other podcasts recently. And for the most part, people are cool. And But I, I've gotten the vibe. I can't say I've ever had something directly, but I've definitely yeah. got gotten the vibe from a couple of people. I'm like, you know, I can see this person just doesn't they're not interested in in um helping me out or me helping them out or whatever. But. I, I just think that's applicable to any job. You know, the bar I work at, right? The, my fellow bartender, anytime there's a new bartender hired, my fellow bartenders, they're like, who the fuck is this? They're going to take all our shifts, blah, 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 blah. It's just like, yo, yo, no, listen, just come in, work hard, put your head down, and it, they're going to take care of you. Our boss and our boss's boss, the owner, 
they're great. If you just do a good job, you'll be fine. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's only going to help better us. Like if it's someone, if it's a good hire, right? It's good for them. It's it's good for the restaurant, which leads to more guests, which leads to more money. But so that that's applicable, you know, in a lot Everywhere, of situations. Yeah. But like, you know, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I don't I don't think I have an ego. I try not to. And if it helps me and it helps, whatever. It's networking, dude. You know, it's it's yeah. a big world out there. We can sharing is caring. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I remember when we, when we first met, we were talking on Instagram too. I remember you you were like going through my guest list, and you said, and I thought, I don't know, why, I just assumed you were going to pick out like punk people, but you you knew who Mike Price was, and that blew my mind. Oh, oh my god, dude! I am the biggest Bill Burr fan in the world, and the biggest oh, so Simpsons family? fan, and the Simpsons. So Mike Price, yeah, yeah Mike Price is was a is a writer for the Simpsons. Still is, yeah. And he writes for Bill Burr's animated. He's the co-creator. F is for family. Yeah, he. It's like it's him He's and Bill. Those, yeah, are, those are the top. Yeah. So of course. Yeah, and he's um. Honestly, I yeah. wait. I forgot you he's had so him on a show. I totally forgot about that. Okay, you want to connect me with someone? I would love to talk to Mike Price. There I could probably. Go. Oh yeah. I um. I wouldn't say we keep in touch, but if I write to him on Twitter or like tweet him, he always responds to me. I um, feel like maybe maybe that's a guy who would just respond to me too. A lot of people going back, to your, yeah. going back to your, your other question though, uh, like how do I get people sometimes like with just Connor ask. from boys, Connor from boys night out, I sent him a message. He responded just, that day. He's like, dude, I'll come on the podcast. Yeah. Fuck sometimes yeah. It's just I was simple. Like, All right. Yeah. And sometimes yeah, Mike Price, he is, don't answer. I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, sometimes people don't answer or they say no. And that's okay. You move forward. You just no is good. The only thing better than a yes is a fast no, because it's either it's either no one responds, myself included. I'm sorry to anyone listening to this saying, well, you never responded to me because I forget a lot. It's either yes, and then it never happens. If you're lucky, it's just a flat no, which is kind of the best, or it's nothing. So, like, no is actually, like, nice. No is, like, I, they care enough to let you know that they're not going to do it instead of, like, just ignore it. No means they st- no, but we want to keep an open door for a relationship. The the hardest one is when when people are like, oh yeah, I'll totally come on, uh, but you know, like right, I'm really busy this month. Hit me up, you know, next month, and then I'll do that. And well, I'm not, I don't have any problems or issues with anyone. But then I do that, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'll literally put a a thing in my calendar. I'll put a yeah, write same. it down. You know, message this person on June first because he said next month, and I'll send him a follow up message. Hey, it's Dana from Two Week Nose Podcast. Just following up. Um, you said you would come on the show maybe this month. Uh, do you have any time? What day works for you? I'll make it work. And then, and then like, you know, they, Crickets. yeah, cr- there you go. Cr- and and it's, it's just a bummer, it's, but I, I, I get it. Part, I, can't I actually get think, mad. I think that's part of the game. It's like, it's whole, I think totally you gotta like for every episode you put out, you probably try to get 10 people that don't pan out. A hundred percent. I even, I make a list like uh weekly uh, on like Sundays and oh, I'll, I'll, I'll write down 10 names. And I'll say, you know, reach out to all these people tomorrow. And then I'll send them all messages. And sometimes one out of 10 responds and it's a yes. Sometimes it's five out of 10 and it's like, hit me up later. But you know that you just got to make goals or set goals and, yeah. and just, just keep working towards it. And it snowballs, man. And that's, that, that's how I really started getting these people. And now it's at the point where it's just like, when I send a message before it was just like, Hey, I, I tour with Piebald and I have a podcast. I'd love to have you. And they would be like, Oh dude, I love Piebald. Sure. I'll come on the show sometime. But now it's that. Plus I'm like, 
here's the list of guests that I've had. Yep. Chris Caraba, Krista Makes, you know, Tucker from Thursday, Eddie from Ticket Back Sunday. And I'll list yep. I'll list a few names and they're like, Oh yeah, dude, I'm in. So the it's names it's, to get names. It's it snowballs yeah. networking. You get the idea. Yeah. I think Mike Price was probably the biggest at that time was the biggest. I mean, I mean that got me in Huffington Post. Like that got me on Vulture. That was and cool. uh, it was it was like 2016. It was the biggest thing for me ever. And um, I really think and that was the moment. But then you know, I then I could write to every follow up. Hey, so and so past guest includes Simpsons writer Mike Price. And like that was one of those watershed moments of like, yeah. and also honestly, truly one of the kindest human beings in the world. Like he's such a sweet guy. And which is so funny is because, you know, he's a Simpsons writer. He worked with Bill Burr. And I'm like, you worked on All Real Monsters and Teen Angel and Homeboys from Outer Space, which is like no one asked him about that stuff, which I think just he lit up. He's like, nobody knows about the Joan Cusack show that got canceled. It's like, but I do. Well, I think you're similar too. Like you do your research. Like you kind of like, I'm never bringing anyone on for any other reason. Truthfully, like at because at the end of the day, it's just about my time. It's like, I, uh, as selfish as that sounds, is like, I don't want to talk to someone just because they're attached to something big. I actually need to care to make this work. So, like, I gave a shit about him as a person. And then I turned out he did a lot of work I loved. I read every, yeah, I'm sure you're the same way. Like, when you know you're doing it with one, like, you read, you listen, and like, you, you kind of feel like you know them before you talk to them. Yeah. that And that means a lot to the guest. And, you know, that really, it it really pours through. If you're sincere, you're speaking from your heart. You know, I always have notes because I like to be prepared. But at the same time, like, I always, so yeah, you got your notes right there. Yeah. And, but that's just in case, I don't know, I, I just, there's a, there's a, whatever, gap in the conversation or just well, to keep, me on, keep <laughs> me on track. Or maybe, I, maybe, um, I found something that I never even knew. I'm like, holy shit. Or I write down fan questions, stuff like that. But the reality is anyone I've talked to, just like you said, and this is why I liked your show, the couple episodes that I checked out, man. I'm like, this guy is just like me in in that he's sincere, good heart, and just like really an honest person and just going to speak his mind. And so anyone I've talked to, I've honestly been a fan of. Yeah, I I feel like our show's mix when i first when we first connected i was like oh yeah this is this is yeah. punk rock let's chat yeah 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 well thanks man it's pretty cool of you to say it, it's, it's just uh you know i ask questions that i've been wondering for whatever 20 years and or or i'll just be like yo dude i saw you at that show at the worcester palladium back in 2005 do you remember that show and then we'll just talk about that yeah so oh, i love that i love yeah. that I'm hoping to see. I'm, I'm I'm really excited to see where your show is going to go. I think I really um I think you've got whatever it is, and I think if you stick with it, like you're really gonna. If you really if it's something you want and you really stick with it, I think you got the it factor. Like I can really see you ended up on like a jabber draw or like kind of build it. Like if I don't know, everyone wants different things, but I just I I, I I'm at the, I'm far enough into this now. I'm I'm very confident to say I have a very. I feel like I have a good eye for talent. Um, like we did a lot of that. Like um, so like especially because we do our Let's Chat Live and our Let's Chat Club. I listen and know about podcasts from all ranges. I listen to a lot of indie podcasts, a lot of like for like booking purposes or for work or something like that. Um, so there's a lot of podcasts that are absolutely terrible, and which is, which is good because things have to suck for something to be good. Uh, but now you got – I feel like two-week notice is uh, – I feel like you could you can, you can really run the distance with it if you, if you make a go at it. 
which I think it seems like you are. I mean, your guest list is pretty impressive. Oh man. Uh, yeah, that, uh, that means a lot to me. You just said, uh, some very, yeah, I can't wait. We're gonna we'll do this again. We're gonna do it in person. Well, I'll come up to Boston or vice versa. We'll do this in person because virtual is yeah. cool. Yeah, we're not we're not too stuff. far from one another, but no, um, we'll definitely what... be at a concert. And I um, I'll definitely hit you about uh, afterwards. I'll hit you up about this. But I really want to get into a place where I start like hosting live events, like do like a meetup or like, hey, let's chat in two weeks' notice. We're all gonna go to see this movie, or we're all going to this concert. Meet us there if you want to hang, or meet us at the bar this Thursday or Friday. Let's chat presents. Drinks at, I don't know where do people drink, Appenheim Brewery. The uh, bar. I'm really yeah. listen. I'm, re- I'm really bad at movies. I don't go. To, I haven't been to movies in like 15 years. I I don't do movies. Oh, and cool. I know that I know that's weird, but I'll totally go to a concert. But I, I gotta. I need to say, man, uh, what, what you said. Uh, you said you some Marvel movies. No, I don't. I don't do movies. Trust yeah, me. That's fair. All my friends do shit for it. They're like, you seen Back to the Future? And I'm like, no. And they'll kinda... they'll, they'll quote Wayne's World. They'll quote. Anything I haven't fucking yeah, seen. That's, I've that's seen. Totally I've seen some movies, obviously, but I'm just not a movie guy. But dude, so, thank you so much for what you said. Oh, of course, because it's stuff like that that really will carry me. You know, uh, Tucker yeah, from Thursday and and Eddie from Taking Back Sunday. So Tucker and Eddie, both of them, like at the end of the chat, they were they were like, I'm insecure. You know, I fucking hate listening back and editing. Like I'm like, oh, I hate myself. Why did I say that? You, what you say, and what talk, someone like a Tucker or a Eddie from Taking Back Sunday, they're just like, hey man, like keep doing this because you're yeah. on to something. I'm yeah. like, oh my, my heart is full, dude. I can't believe I got to talk to you, and now you tell, now you're telling me I'm good. Yeah. Like it's, it, so thank you, Chris. Seriously, thank you. Oh, I, mean, and I, 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 I do intend. I will keep doing it, and I know you truly mean it. That's why. I mean yeah, it. no, and then we'll do something together. And like, yeah, I'm stoked. And yeah, I, I've. Well, good for you for accepting the compliment because it took me a long time to even acknowledge that. Like, I remember having um, Stephen Smith on. Do you remember Fuse? Like, Unseen Runs on a Rock Show way back in the day? No, no I don't. Uh, I've heard that. I've heard the. I've heard. Yeah, he used to host Going Off Track when I was listening to him, which is one of my favorite podcasts. I and love so Going Off Track. I yeah, know, me too. I've, I've met Jonah. He's the fucking man. Yeah, I've had, I've had everyone except Brad. Brad is the only holdout. I've had Benny, Jonah, and Stephen all when they used to host back that back in the day. Great and uh, I love those dudes. Uh, but I remember him like complimenting me and being like, "Yeah, whatever. You, you don't mean it." And then event, you know, through therapy and stuff, being like, "Accept the compliment. People are being nice to you. They're being vulnerable, and you deflect it or hurts them." And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> it's it is funny. Like you just I don't know. Like I feel like for myself, I'm not sure if you have this, but like for a lot of the time doing this, I was." It was me was stopping the show from progressing because I was always like, eh, it's just a hobby. Nobody really cares. Even though my numbers and everything that a normal person would look for would say opposite. It was, I know it's going to sound so lame, but I didn't believe in myself until up until like life, life stuff happens. But that's for another day because I got to go to bed soon. <laughs> I'm like, you, I have to wake yeah. up early. I have a four-year-old who's getting over a sickness that was so nice of her to give to me. So that's a little nasally to Oh, no. All right, dude. So well, they cough on you for four straight days, and you're like, "Huh, I wonder why my sore, my throat is sore." <laughs> well, uh, Chris, uh, thanks so much for having me. Uh, I'm I'm here to chat anytime. Um, okay, as we start to wrap it up, though, like, is there anything like we missed? I feel like we could do this for like eight hours, and then we still wouldn't have covered uncovered everything. Yeah, I mean, I could talk to you all day, so you know, I'm happy to do this anytime, and um, we'll continue to work together. I have a feeling that we'll. 
like you said, meet up at some point. But as far as, you know, plugs, two-week notice podcast, look it up on pretty much any podcast platform out there, Apple, Spotify. It's the one with the peace sign, two-week notice. Look that up, and if you dig it, you know, hit subscribe and stuff and just check out whatever. Look through the guest list if it's if it's something you're into. Then check it out. Uh, follow me on Instagram. It's at Dana Fuggin B. D A N A F U G G E N B. Dana Fuggin B. That's me. Other than that, dude, I'm just living in my little fucking bubble and um, just pretty much working the bar and podcasting. That's been my my life. Hitting that cowbell. It's not. I will say it's nice to be. Yeah, in the cowbell. But it's nice to be on this side of the microphone. I always get insecure about that because I'm like, oh shit. Like now, I at first it's like, oh, this is easy. Cause I've been on a few now as a guest the first time I'm like, Oh, this is easy. Like I don't even have to do any preparation. I just got to sit here and answer questions. Then when I actually did, it, I was like, Oh shit, I have to be like entertaining and, and people need and awake to and conscious. And yeah, yeah it's, I, it's, I, it's, it is a little stressful, but your I, muscle I always, memory, like anything, it just eventually turns to muscle memory. But like, I, I always, always heard that I've always heard it said it takes seven years to find your voice, like for comedy, music, podcast, I guess any, any, any creative endeavor it takes about seven. They said, I've always heard that it takes seven years. And like now I look back, I'm like, yeah, around year seven when I was when I started to feel like I'm actually good at this. Well, I, I hope I feel the same way at year seven myself and uh respect for what you do. And I, oh, thanks, I man. I'm always honored when anyone would, you know, even consider having me. So thank you, Chris. You're you're awesome. Oh, but okay. Yeah, thanks for those pie. You gotta go back. Hey Pieball, thanks for uh opening me up to become a podcast celebrity. <laughs> well I'm, I'm not a podcast celebrity at all not yet yeah awesome man all right let me, uh, thank you man this was fun yeah anytime brother. in a world with two brothers six bottles and endless opinions comes a comedy podcast tale as old as time the half hour bros podcast has been hailed as so funny you have to hear it to believe join kurt and tom as they talk beer reviews and the world as they see it through their slightly drunker eyes. The Half Hour Bros podcast is streaming on almost all major platforms. At Half Hour Bros Pod for the Twitter and email halfhourbros at gmail.com. <laughs>